<laughs> that is great. <laughs> uh, well, Dennis, is it, a, is it an hour of happy for you? I'm feeling pretty happy. Suddenly. Like, it wasn't, and then it loud. is. It, 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 it's the first time I've laughed out loud all day. Not for not for a second, not for a minute, certainly not for an hour. Well, no. let's, let's get no. this hour started. No. Well, bro, we already did. Yeah. yeah. Bro. Bro. Another day in uh, COVID reality. First day of the uh, Republican uh, convention. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's sister is interviewed without her knowledge <laughs> and says, of course, Trump, he has no principles. None. None. Right. All he does is lie. And this is coming out the day of the opening. Good timing. But so, they don't care. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, and whose mind is that going to change? Nobody. And the thing is, is that it's never been clear to me, never been clear to me that, that he's doing nothing more complicated than creating the Trump party. And what's interesting about recent events is that it seems to have moved from him being a Confederate president to him actually being the head of a cult. Yeah. Which which his inability to simply say, oh, QAnon? No, that's I denounce that crazy stuff. What? You mean just because they say that politicians, the Democrats in particular, are murdering and eating children and the code for the cult is done through the creative use of pizza? You and I, in our wildest imagination, anyone we know, could never imagine, could never make this stuff up. Yeah, Isaac Asimov wouldn't be able to make this stuff up. Kurt Vonnegut, beyond it would be beyond his his ability to make that up. Right, because it's it's it, it's, well, it's not just stupid, but it's also it's also in, so fucking important that the stupid doesn't cover it. It's moved into a, a recklessly stupid, stupid. Quantro four times X Y Z. Oh, it's crap. like whatever you know this shit is to the earth. This shit is to the political spectrum. This shit going on is to little political spectrum as earth is to the rest of the galaxy. Because this shit goes beyond the pale. This is, as Obama says, it's a threat of democracy. It's happening in front of us. And the fact is, he's got an armed group of men and women who are ready to rally for him. All he has to do is say the word, which he will, he will start the Trump party. He's going to start her with 34% of the voting public. Maybe minus a few and maybe added a few. That's all this is about. He no longer thinks that it's even desirable to win. Winning would be more of the same terrible life that he's led. Yeah. He's hated it. And like he work. just wants to do what he does. He wants the circus tent set up. Wants to be a he door. wants to bark. Hi-ya, hi-ya, hi-ya. If they've never seen a bearded lady, you better come over here quick. Hey, Sonny, is that a quarter in your pocket? He's happy to see it's, me. It's, it's, <laughs> what is that? Is that a cucumber in your pocket? You're just happy to see me. Oh, God. Yeah, I saw, sister. I, hold on. I, I saw a report today that said 57% of Republicans yes. think, the, think the number of U.S. deaths from coronavirus yes. has been acceptable. Like, yeah, there's nothing we could do. The asterisk. And there's a there's an end note, and the end note says, based on a review of demographic data of deaths, including but not limited to, the number of the people dying who actually were Democratic voters. If one assumes that urban voters and Black voters are Democratic, which is historically accurate, mm-hmm. then these numbers are evident that COVID has ended up reducing the population of the Democrats vastly by vastly greater numbers than that of Republican voters. Ah, well, then Make it's okay. your own decision as to whether or not that means anything, but they have the data. They have 3,000 data points reportedly on every single voter in the country. 3,000. Could you describe 3,000 things about yourself? Well, that's why I they started the podcast. It. Number one, we're going to count down to 3,000. Okay, number one, go. Age, am, number two, go. I, I'm a male. Sex, number three, go. 3,000. I'm bored. At what point do you inquiry. start to run out? Yeah. At what point do you start to run out? Yeah, but, I mean, Facebook has that on people. Easy. Sure. I just saw a bit of a documentary over the weekend. This 
podcaster radio person that I really love from WNYC, Latif Nasser, got his own uh, Netflix show called Connected. And much like they do on their podcast, Radio Lab, they go through and they just do some scientific research and they drill down and they see how things are related. Uh-huh. And anyway, it's a documentary, documentary series. I've only seen the first one, but the first one was about surveillance. And it started off with just the most mind-blowing damn thing. So it started off with tracking of migratory birds, okay? And it's about how they there's this type of bird that lives in, I want to say Vermont, uh, for most of the year, and then travels down, uh, like it breeds and has babies in Vermont, and then travels down to Brazil, to I don't know some other part of its for, for the Mardi Gras. Yeah. For the Mardi Gras. So, so it does this. And do they look alike? It does this every single year. Birds all are the same. Yeah. Birds all look alike because. I mean, birds of a feather to them. fly yeah. together. Yeah, 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 right. I understand. Uh-huh. But so they. That's where that comes from. Yes, they and there's lots of feathers down there at for mm, Mardi Gras for Carnival. So. Oh yeah, the costumes. Yes. Right. So anyway, these birds, they they put these they they catch them in this little in this net, and they put these little tracking little backpacks on them, so they can still fly, but there's a little thing, there's a little GPS tracker on their back, and they did this for a bunch of birds, and so then they can tell. You know how GPS is with your with your phone. They can pretty much tell which tree the bird is sitting in at any given yeah. time. And so anyway, that, that's people have been doing that for years. But the crazy thing is that they discovered that these birds will sometimes they will stay longer in the spring, and then which is better time because they have more time to care for their young before they leave for to go to South America. And other times they leave earlier. And scientists couldn't figure out why they left earlier or why they would leave later. And they looked at all the different possible. Uh, you know, weather phenomena or predators or something, and they couldn't figure out why. And then this one scientist noticed that on the years when the birds left earlier, around the time in September when they were crossing the Gulf of Mexico, when the birds left earlier, there were more hurricanes. And on a, on a year with fewer hurricanes, the birds stayed longer and then left later. Which means that the motherfucking birds in March knew whether or not there would be a lot of bad hurricanes in September. Wow. No, I think it says that they caused it. Their collective thought was, if we all think this together, right. and we stay here, and we think hard about this, it will come to pass. And that's all done through the queen, feathered, splendidly feathered leader right. of the birds, who sits upon a thatch throne, which is made of pieces of stick and stuff that they took near the uh, exhaust where my dryer blows into the grass, mm-hmm. and pieces of net. Mm-hmm. and perhaps a plastic bag or two, and they create the throne, and this is what she declares. This is an edict. This year shall pass. Bird queen. Hurricane will be 10 or 8. They right. all collectively think. You know what it sounds like when a bird thinks? That's what it sounds like when a bird thinks. Well, Have you ever tell, heard that sound? Don't tell them. You want to hear it again? Wait, are you communicating now to the bird mother? If she's here in my pocket, and it's not, and she is glad to see me, and... Let's not go there. But you're wrestling with something. I, you've hit. You've hit on something here. It's a whole other world. It's like the bird people. What the fucking bird people, man? So anyway. And you know how? And and you know what that? It's not only the sound of their thinking, but it's also the sound of their praying, and that's why they're sometimes called birds of prey. Oh, that makes sense now. Their mantra is that the queen says, "Birds of a feather." And all the multitudes reply, stay together. And then louder, and then louder. They don't flock together, they stay together. Stay together. Okay. Well, that's a... Wow. It's like, cool. You've unearthed it. What the what? Yeah, so that's pretty, pretty birdie. Who's a pretty birdie? Yes, you are. Uh, The the, the queen bird mother does not like the dead parrot sketch. It's so offensive. Wow, my computer is so hot. Mm, tell me about it. On the bottom of it. Should I put it up higher? Get some air under there? Mine is Lock. mine is off the desk, and last week I had a moment when In it... In a stand? Yeah. And last week I had a moment when like it ceased to function because it was just so freaking hot. So. Yeah, you told me it was over 110 or 105 or... So Death Valley was 130. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard I was, that. I told I, you it was in Phoenix. It was 124. You could fry an egg. You could fry an egg. Somebody told me that the parks officials were upset and informing people 
please don't try to fry eggs because that just means we have to come and clean them up. Yes. Like it's littering. Yes, I heard that, sir. Yes. So literally, literally, literally. Get it? See what I did there? Yes. They don't want to egg you on. The eggs were litter. Yes. And they were literally. And the guy's name who picked them up was Danny Lee, the famous golfer. Yeah. So. That's a good yoke. They were. The yoke is on you. Egg on your face. Oh, what's a heavy yoke? They must bear on our behalf. So did you see in the PGA, the TPC North, the caddy had to be carried off? No, I'm not following golf news. So Scott Schiffler, who is playing quite well, came in in the top 10 for this tournament. His caddy came up lame and fell down. Well, kind of sat down because he couldn't walk. Don't you have to shoot the caddy when that happens? Oh, man, I thought you said you didn't see it. Sorry. Continue. Man, I was stealing my thunder. Everybody's probably seen it. Yeah. It was hard to believe, but then again, it's COVID-19 reality. Can't carry the bag? But you know who replaced him? What? Was the assistant golf pro from the course. Add one, Scheffler. Right? That's some good caddying of the guy who works the course full time. Yeah. That's big time. How fair is that? The one, rules one indicate not only that it has has to be a replacement, but it has to happen in a certain period of time, I'm sure, or he's got to carry his own bags. I mean, no, but like to get the to get the the guy who knows the course like the palm of his hand to be your caddy seems a little bit. Oh, yes, indeed. But also hole number 15 or 16, probably. Uh, and at the hole where he was still on the ground waiting to be carted off. Scheffler had a makeable birdie putt and missed it. Then it dropped in for par. And no one is going to suspect for a moment that what had happened didn't have something to do. It was a little bit of a distraction. Now, on the other hand, his caddy is pretty much irreplaceable because unlike the court, the assistant pro, he doesn't know Scheffler at all. Right. Doesn't know his swing. Doesn't know his clubs. True, true. It's more important to know the golfer than the course. Doesn't know how to talk to him. Yeah. Doesn't know when to say shit. Doesn't know, you know, that's like. Yeah, it's right? one thing to, to, to say, oh, yeah, this is 140 yards. And it's another thing to say, you, this is this is an 82% of nine of your nine iron or whatever. Did you hear the latest D. Chambrough comment to the, to the, uh, to the so-called uh, crowd, right? There's nobody there. And 50 feet away, there was a film crew. And while he was putting, someone spoke. And he looked up after the putt. He missed it. And he looked up after the putt, and he said, you know, we're going to have to be a little quiet around, uh, a little quieter. And they looked at him, and he said, you know, sound travels. You might uh, talk a little quieter over there, please? And you're all the way over there. Sound travels. How would you like to be his caddy in an emergency? Mm, yeah. When and how would you talk to him? You know, at point, uh, right? And yeah. Scheffler's the nicest guy in the world, probably, as far as I know. But holy shit. It was interesting. You know, you may would follow it, but I'll just say this and then close on it. Check it out because Dustin Johnson beat the field by 30. He's tied for the second most points over under par, winning a major, tied with uh, Spieth, and only beat by Ernie Els, who did it by 31. And he closed, if I'm correct. I don't think he closed with the Eagle. He might have. It's astounding. That's astounding. It's some of the best golf I've ever seen played by anybody. Anybody. Well, it's true. We don't play that that often together. So. Uh, speaking of that, though, a nice uh, clip of Rory and Tiger having a burger at a picnic table after their round. And for the first time ever, they didn't have to worry about the crowds. There was nobody around. They just sat and had a burger. <laughs> and the name of it is, it's sorry, the name of the article sounded like, it's the same as what we do. <laughs> right. <laughs> they went to the 19th hole and just talked and talked. Sitting around it's, with a burger. You know, a couple of burgers. But it's so delightful to be able to watch it again. Uh, I mean, some of the other sports are coming back, but... They canceled college football in the Big Ten. So we're done with the, Good. some of the most exciting... I'm fanatical about college football. This is this is just another reality. I can't say that I'm you know, super bummed because I, I knew it would likely happen, and it should. So mm-hmm. with that, you just say, oh, well, so it is. We're just hoping for a basketball season. Yeah, we're approaching school start time here. and They started today here. And I don't, I'm very conflicted. Like, 
I don't. I think that they're going to have to cancel again in a couple yeah. weeks. And that's what it's happening everywhere. And so, right, exactly. Like so we're, not, kids, we're not going into this with no. It's have to get sick, and maybe some people have to die before they decide. Right. That there needs to be a change of policy, and that number of sicknesses and deaths is acceptable for them. Right. And so, like, I knowing that because I see in other places where the same thing is happening, knowing that, I might just skip over that part where I put my children and my family at risk and just not send them for the first couple of weeks. And if someone complains to me, then, you know, let's talk. Good luck. So here's so there's a video clip that my wife sent me and I wish I could tell you more about it. But it was about a guy speaking in front of a a state capitol building. And the name of it was something like unanswered questions about kids going back to school during COVID-19. And this guy looks at the camera and for 15 minutes or whatever the time is, I don't quote me on that, does nothing but ask question after question after question after question after question. And it is so stunningly apparent that nobody knows the answer to nearly all of them Uh more now than when they saw it. But but it would give you it would give you some uh, insight into into what others have put together exactly as a longer list than what you might be able to come up with on your own. And also verbalizing it, right, recording it, right. so you can just say, all those questions? Yeah. yeah. Answer those. Me too. Then I'll get back with you. I articulate too. Yeah. I love collage. Did you see that t-shirt? You've mentioned it a couple woman times. Wearing a, woman wearing a... <laughs> I had a good time in collage. Yeah. So here's a here's another uh, here's another interesting little news bit today. So a little bit of background, which I'm sure you know, everyone probably does, is that every year, one of the major purposes of the annual Democrat and Republican conventions is to adopt their policy platform for the next political year that their candidates are going to run on. The Democratic platform is multifaceted, very well thought through, responds to the realities of our time, vis-a-vis. Uh, police budgeting, civil unrest, civil rights, racial disparity, criminal justice reform, economic recovery, resocialization in a new world, et cetera, et cetera. Climate change, climate change, climate change. It is a robust document with many verses and chapters. The Republican Party, for the first time in their history, have instead issued not a platform, but instead a policy statement which supports all of, but nothing more than, the policies of Donald J. Trump and the Trump administration without specification and says that the next time there will be a discussion of Republican Party policy will be at the next convention in 2024. Ladies and gentlemen, I present Kim Jong Trump. Yep. No longer just a Confederate president, but now a cult leader who never shit in his life, like his brother, his lover, Kim Jong-un, who's reportedly in a coma. Yeah, Fox News is reporting that. I haven't seen any other sources. I've seen it, well, The Guardian, I think, reported Hmm. it too, but who knows? They reported it as almost like hearsay, right? right? I mean, yeah. It was sort of like, you know, it, it's, it's the way it's, it's the way Trump says what we heard. It's the way Trump says this things is like what we heard pe- passing people are saying. And and then you ask who and they're like, I, it's just this is what people are saying. Me. Donald J. Trump. No, he never says that. Yeah. Well, so this no platform, this CBS News poll that I mentioned briefly before, one of the questions is to Republican registered voters. Why is America better off than four years ago? There are four answers. Number one. 82% confidence in Donald Trump. Check one for the cult. Number two, 70% the U.S. economy. The What economy are they living in? Can I make a point here? Fact. You there. If you compare the 36 months, 36 last months of the Obama-Biden time in office to the first 36 months, you'll see that Trump created 850,000 jobs while Obama-Biden created 1.5 million. Other indicators show similar statistics. So we have to, in fact, given that this is common knowledge, easy to understand knowledge, score two points for the cult. Why do they believe that? And the answer is C number one. Right, exactly. Because he said so. 
Yeah, because That's he's a cult. Ten. Yes. Number two. Go on. Go on. So God damn it. The, the tied for second is the is the third one. Also, it's seventy percent. Democrats are not in power. That's the reason why America is better now than before. I think Democrats that's another check for the cult. Involved. Yeah. You made so, it a question. It's not a question. No, it's not. So, okay. I mean, I think that also could mean some of those people are saying that, meaning there's no longer a black family in the White House, just imagining. But Yeah, well, it also, from a cult perspective, though, is... We're they are not in power, right. We're they are not in power, yep. We're in charge. Nothing, look, wait a minute. This is my deal, Wade. And the, the fourth one is even crazier. Own families' finances. That's 64%. 64% of registered re- Republican voters claim that their own families' finances are better off than they were four years ago. That is How many? 64%. So that is just blatantly ignoring the truth. I mean, it must be. Because these aren't people that are all, you know, in the top 1% that are so getting what did super that tell rich. You? So what did that tell you about the, the demographics of the polled population? I so mean, let me either ask they're, you this. they're liars or let me, let me let me pose the circumstance to you. Let's say that this was a uh, middle class and beyond right. middle class, upper class demographic. And that, as it turns out, about 64 percent of those people have investments of some kind mm. in the stock market. Right. That would explain. It. Because. The one economic indicator, which is one of many, right. which is not an indicator, as Trump claims, of the economy, right. which the GP is down demonstrably. The number of jobs lost is so far outstrips the number of jobs gained back that we continue to be 62% of the jobs that are lost are still lost. He can say what he wants. Right. But at the end of the day, things are not better. And, things, and the fact of the matter is, you and I know this, this is repetitious, redundant to what we say again and again. None of this matters to anybody but the base. There's, he's, he could care less about converting anybody else. Imagine this. Somebody said to Trump, the largest percentage of the voting public that's ever identified, altogether in third parties, altogether, add them all up, is 16%. Well, and I'm making this up. I'm, it's just a, a wild-ass sure. guess. You can look it up if you want. But, I believe it. So what is success? Well, more than that, one would argue. But all in one party... And if someone would say, well, what if you would double it, 15% to 30%, and you create the Trump party, and then the Jeb Bushes, the Bush brothers, the Bush families, right? The other Republican leaders of leaders past, George Will, and other notorious conservative thinkers will reform the Republican party and try to bring it back, and it will suffer for at least the next two, three, maybe even four election cycles, because the Trump party will take away a majority of votes from the Republicans, not the Democrats. Yeah, okay. So much like so the, the Trump party ruled for 100 years, the Democrats will be in power. Okay, but so the Trump party, you're assuming that Donald continues to live and be... Yes, for, the, for at least another year. Okay, but... Then after that, Donald Jr. will take over. He's been primed and is nearly ready to do so. You can Google an article today that says Donald Trump Jr. He appears to be ready, but ready for what? I mean, he's got a. That's that's. There's some big shoes and long ties to fit into to fit into it. Like that's there's some long ties Eric, and some long lies. Eric Trump decided that. Instead of just the signature tie, which he wears a little lower, but not as low as his father, that instead he did it with his shoelaces and he's constantly tripping and landing into podiums and microphones and mm-hmm. et cetera. It's a horror show. It's a horror show, I tell you. Well, like it's because Trump's skills, he's got a very particular set of skills. We, yes. we I just That's edited our episode about uh, Liam Neeson movies and it's he's. I don't think anyone else could really do what he does in that way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe any... It's, well, yeah. yeah maybe your yeah, Rush Limbaugh's or your other knucklehead liar people can also do that, but he's just a, he's got a, a unique snowflake. Well, so imagine this, that the first Trump movie is being shot now, and it's called... It's a two-episode series 
called the Comey Effect. And Comey is played by none other than Michigan's Jeff Daniels. And Trump is played by an amazing actor who you'll know very fondly from Gangs of New York, who played the sheriff. Never saw that. Oh, huh. That's too bad. Now you won't understand the story because you still haven't seen one of the most iconic fucking movies of your generation. You're so fucking lazy. What do you do with all your or time? Sazy. Nothing. I did watch a movie since we've spoken. It's a movie written and directed by John Stewart. Ah, starring none other than Steve Carell. Yes. Well, I've yeah. been meaning to see it, but it's on Netflix, so I don't. No, it isn't on Netflix. Oh, it's on. Uh, it's on Disney or is the link not? Here? Oh. Ah, it's called Irresistible. Yes. And I saw the saw the trailer. It and it's such a clever. I mean, it's not the. It's not going to win a best movie Oscar. It's not. It's not that level, but. It's this idea of the coastal liberal elites going in to meddle with the heartland elections in a way right. that's pretty pretty well done. I, it took me two, two nights to watch it, and I enjoyed it. It was it was good. Steve Carell, of course, is just awesome, and he all, the other, all the other I, performances were great. I think he's basically good in everything I've ever seen. And I can't tell you that I'm not surprised every time I see him in something different, that I just say, son of a bitch, he's good. I'm always, I, he just, he pushes it. Did you see, did you see the murder of Jesse James by the coward John Ford? That was your homework. No, you did it. I have it, you I have it, it in the queue. It is in the queue. Uh, it's in the queue. But it's in the queue. turns out the, and remember, it's in the queue remember that the discussion was not only about Casey Affleck, Yes. And the way that he portrays and channels the people that he's acting, of course, which is, I'm sure, every actor's goal. But in fact, that it was a discussion of how he can underplay a role yes. with more dramatic effect than anyone could imagine. Your other in the queue uh, homework was to see Manchester by the Sea, probably also, which you didn't do. I think I've seen or it and you? we've discussed it. I remember now. <laughs> it's all coming back to me. I did just edit the episode where, where we put it into my homework. Where we talked about how quickly we forget. And, but, and the point yeah. here is that in this case, this is Brad Pitt in the most exquisite underplayed role of his movie fucking career. You were pretty... Including but not limited to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You were very bullish on him. has been remarked upon as an underplayed yes. study in character. Well, now I have my homework. Glimpses of character by physical presence and human interaction and nothing more just at the very fucking essence of acting yeah sort of like podcasting and but god damn he looks good in a long black coat with a white shirt and a fancy tie and a pair of black jeans and a pair of cowboy boots Brad Pitt attractive uh, yeah Brad Pitt's a, a good looking feller yeah, I'm gonna dress up like that after uh, after we're done. Yeah, well. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a hat. Maybe I'll show you before the end of the episode. But hey, speaking hey. of uh, follow up, you speaking, just looked over your shoulder. Speaking of ends of the episode, see ya. How is your B problem? Cured, I say. So, climbed up on the ladder. Be cured. Cock. Yeah. Cock gun. A little, actually, a little, think, it's called concrete cock. I think it's, it comes in a little tub. And I put a dollop on my finger, climbed up the second story ladder, and in the little hole where the Wi-Fi wire was, I filled it full of concrete and sealed it up and then smoothed it over. Left the ladder up, went to sleep, woke up 24 hours later, give or take an hour or two, climbed up the ladder with a paintbrush that had a little daub of gray house paint on it, and I matched it. And then 24 hours later, washed the area, and also of the powder that they had injected into it. It was all over the walls, all over the windowsills. And then washed the windows, mm -hmm. took the ladder down, and went out that day in the heat of the sun and looked up. And I saw at two different times a wasp buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. And you get in. Looking for the hole. 
landing where the paint is, looking, walking around the windowsill, trying to find another entrance. My observation was pointed. Will this wasp indeed find another way to get into my fucking house? Does it climb up and go to the downspout? Does it go near the eaves trough, the gutter? Does it go underneath only to disappear? No. What does it do? Moments later, it flies away into the breeze to another location. Your neighbor's house. A couple minutes later, another one comes. Same exact result. I say to you, you sure I say to one? you, my B problem is solved. Hallelujah. $100 and the Play-Doh is still there drying out. And when it dries completely, I'll remove it from the holes and crevices. And I will once again regain the total use of my home. Because as I say, I say unto ye, unto ye. My B problem is solved. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Raise your hand. Woo. Raise your hand. A concrete cock. All right. What do you say to that? Does that answer your question? Part two. Furthermore, I've not vacuumed up or seen a wasp anywhere out here. I did see one in my son's yard, and I crushed it with my foot. It gave me great satisfaction. Hmm. Pieces of wasp ground into the dirt. Yellow. Mixed with brown earth. Okay, let's end with our extermination segment of the program. I hate those motherfuckers. I can tell. Fucking wasps. Well, I suppose you don't. You like them? You make pets out of them? Bring them into your bedroom, put them in a little nest of some kind of little... You know what they like is a little pipe. Put a little pipe there, they'll go into the pipe and they live smoke in the it? pipe. Good thinking, though, because here's another way. What I could have done? I could have not... Before I put that Play-Doh on the windows to block up those holes, mm -hmm. I could have taken some marijuana smoke and blew it in there. And what that would have done would have lulled the wasps into just wanting to relax. And get the munchies. And not buzz around so much. Hmm. And they're like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. That's I don't a... want to go to work. Why all the buzzing, man? It's, just like... it's, a, it's a day off. We, we buzz Let around? Me tell you what, because we can and be, because I'm a bee. B is because I'm a B. C is, see, I told you, motherfucker, I'm a B. All right. Them's three good reasons. D, don't dog me. I'm a B. Can't you see? Well, well good for the good. So here's a, here's a, uh, well, never mind. Hotter than hell here. 91 today. We took a, we took a, uh, we took a drive to Lake Michigan Sunday. The three of us, wife, sis, sister-in-law, sis, and uh, took the walk. Two two miles in, two miles out, went to the went to the ship called the Idler. Yes, which we've spoken of. I looked that up. And once the again, the Bloody had Mary. a questionable Bloody Mary and a motherfucking bad meal. I'm done there. This is for anyone who listens. Let me tell you this: you got a limited menu, but you're open yep. all the time. You have a bar, one bar in the place, and you have a kitchen on deck. What do you think it takes? To say, we have a restricted menu, we have two Bloody Mary specials, one is cucumber-infused vodka, and the other is thyme, basil, salt, and something or other uh, infused vodka. Those are two. And when you order the second one, they say, well, actually, we don't have any of that. And it's a Sunday, one of the busiest days of the week on the ship. How, how about this? Yeah, throw some extra olives in the Bloody Mary. Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of, we're out of olives. And the response would be, what? Any of you who knew this didn't simply stop at a grocery store and buy a couple bottles of olives? Maybe for tomorrow today? I'll buy some. Yeah. Because you you know that your specials include green olives, but you don't take any personal responsibility for this as if you wouldn't even be reimbursed? Or here's a better question. Who the fuck is in charge of the motherfucking olives? Wouldn't it be the head bartender? Wouldn't it be the manager's job to make sure that the bartender has a fully stocked bar and enough quantity of what are called specials? An olive officer. To be able to serve the what are called specials? Or is my theory correct that this is, they're not special? Hey, these they're specials so aren't special. They're subpar. That's what they should be called. On the, on the handout, you know, mimeograph special menu right. that they sent, instead of saying specials, it would say subpar options. Yeah. Yeah. So you sit down with no and, and you ask your waiter, yes, um, could you tell me about the subpar options available today? 
then you know then they could go and read off the list. Yeah. So right. when you when you mention them, no, and all they do is they read what they don't have. They say, well, it's vodka, but we don't have it infused, and we don't have any seasoning, and we don't have any olives, we don't have any pickles, we don't have any pickled okra, we don't have any small onions, we don't have any pickled beans, we don't have any tiny little small ears of corn, we don't have any black olives, we don't have any horseradish, we don't have any Worcester sauce, we don't have any seasoned salt, we don't have any ground black pepper, we don't have any shrimp, and we don't have any motherfucking bacon to stick into your motherfucking Bloody Mary. That's what we don't have. You want one? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll take. That's what I came here for. I'll take one. I'm done. So when when Cucumber you and, when you mentioned this, uh, the idler, a couple episodes ago, I went and I I looked up their menu, and the very first thing on the drink menu is called shit. It's South Haven iced tea. S H I T. Is it? It doesn't reference that in the menu, of course. It's, it, no. Does it? On the PDF of the menu, it says S dot H dot I dot T. Classic South Haven wow. iced tea. I don't remember that being on the printed menu. That's. Yeah, and th- then they do have the, the chum bucket that you complained about last time. Which which is so disgusting in its name. They obviously, this is a fucking ship who doesn't know that a fucking chum bucket is a fucking scrap in bloody fucking fibs. Worst possible. And motherfucking tails and gills and fucking catfish whiskers and fucking guts of a, of, 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 of a fish that you throw out the back of your boat as chum to attract schools of fish. Who then, after you throw the chum out, you go ahead and throw your bait out. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. It's like, or it's did like, I say that? It's like calling your, it's like calling your chocolate dessert a you know manure pile or, or or some other you know beverage you know a pus bucket or something. It's just like what? No, marketing, bad marketing. Right, right. it's uh, it's uh, the pus rag. Or drink the pus rag. It's kind of a white frothy drink with a shot of lemon, yellow lemon. Right in the middle of it, the pus. It's our bestseller. The open wound, a right. bloody mary with a, with a, with, a, with a white foam cap on it, squirted with ketchup. The the open wound. Yeah. And after it's served, let it sit a while until the flies come around. Parentheses. Maggots not included. Although if you return in thirty days, we'll see what we can do. And and the missus would like a barf bag. It's another another beverage. <laughs> Right. Bark bag. Your drink comes in a plastic bag that has two sides to it. A side for the drink and a side where you puke after you drink it because it's so fucking disgusting. Well, see, the bark bag would actually have some condiments in it, like some peas or something. Oh, peas. Peas would digest easily. A little, chunk, little chunks of uh, something. Let's see. What doesn't digest well? Pomegranate seed. Yes. Eat a pomegranate, you're going to shit the seed. There you go. Turn black. Bilious. Well, hold on. I was, I was talking about not going all the way through the system, but oh, oh, you know. right, so. right. How about calling it snake eats frog? No, snake eats tide frog. And it gives an image of uh, and the icon, the little logo for the drink, is a snake tied to a stake, and then a frog tied to a stake, and the length of the stake ties are just enough that the frog goes halfway into the snake's gullet, and then it stops. It becomes an experiment. Hey, well, you did, I hope, you did that, right? I, I hope our listeners are not eating. The, the, the frog that's digest half of it's completely digested, and the other half isn't yet. I've not done exp- that. Oh, your wife has. Probably. She's a sicko. Yeah. yeah. Well, well <laughs> she's a sicko. No. She's a vegetarian. That's what they do for a living. Something like that. Yeah, so looking at the the bar here on the top of the idler boat, it's uh, it's really pretty out there. You can talk to fishermen as they go by. Do they like that? They'll hold up their catch. Saw so about a sixteen pound salmon. Did I miss something? No. I must have. Because you, because you, no, you could, you could be like, you could, you could say, hey fisherman, you need some chum? No, you yell out. You say, hey. Hey, chum! And they say, don't you dare fucking call me that. That's gross. There you go. Hey, you want to get chummy with the guy? Well, what's that mean? That means climbing down into a fucking bucket of fucking fish remains. That's where that comes from. That's what they used to do. Hey, are you a buddy? Yeah? All right, we'll prove it. Climb down in this fucking big bucket of fucking chum. Prove you're my friend. Gross. That's where that comes from. England, on the on the coast. Coast of England. Of course, all of England, including Scotland, is nothing but coast since it's yes. a motherfucking island. Indeed. You know, 
indeed. Are you aware of the of the math problem about the? I think I swear I think it's called the the coast of Scotland, where it and this relates to all kinds of basically measurement of anything that like if you want to measure how many miles the coast of Scotland is, like you can do that, but it depends on how long your 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 yardstick is, right? Because it's so craggly that if you yeah. if you use a shorter yardstick, it's going to turn out to look like it's double the length than if you had just used you know a a bigger one, uh, and so, average. but that's so that's sort of a a phenomenon that the closer you look, the data that you're looking at can change because if you're looking, if you're measuring with a smaller measurement, then you're going to get yes, widely familiar different. with it. It's called the degree of granularity. There you go. That's a that's another term for it. To sum it up, to sum it up, degree of granularity. Is that what you're looking for? Is that yeah. what you're searching for? The that's degree also- of granularity. That's also related to how well you can digest a piece of corn or something. Is right, right. The degree of granularity. So, what's the thing, the biggest thing you've ever swallowed that you end up shitting out? Personal question. That of I have many. noticed. That I have noticed. Of many uh, experiences. It's kind of just be corn kernels that I've noticed yeah. in the in the toilet, but. Like, I haven't swallowed any marbles or anything of value, like a gold ring or something that I wanted to get back, right? Because then you got to be, like, shitting into a colander for a couple days. Mine was a a relatively large-size four-inch ham bone that I accidentally swallowed when I was devouring a ham. And uh, it got stuck sideways. Four inches, about an inch diameter. It had to be manually extracted. Oh, that doesn't uh, count as uh, passing all the way through. The doctor... The doctor wouldn't do it. He had to hire somebody off the street to be able to reach up in there and pull the hand bone out. It was grotesque. Reach up. That's my story. You say reach up in there, so I assume it's coming from the other end, the extraction. It wasn't lodged in your throat. Uh, yeah. No. No, no. That wasn't That'd the be reaching down. The question was, what is the largest granularity of something you've shat? Mine was a four-inch by one-inch diameter. Uh, that was with bone. assistance, though. I guess I guess we'll, we'll, we'll count that. So the this, off the street came in and this, digging up. This in is an example of what can only be called an American hero. The man on the street that pulled a hand bone out of your yeah, ass. That's right. Well, he was a guitarist. God bless him. He wrote a song about it. You gotta find that greasy hand bone. You've heard it, I'm sure. Made yeah, famous. I mean that's a famous Bob Dylan. I think did that one. No, I think it was uh, Ravi Shankar. Okay. So I had a thought today. Good job. Oh, and you know what What? What? what spawned it? Was as I was clicking through the channels looking for something to bide my time while the show I wanted started six or seven minutes later mm-hmm. was I came upon the movie yesterday. And I had hoped that since it was at the at We've discussed the that, I think. It, yes, yes. That we I would at least see the best song version he does of a Beatles tune in the whole movie when he stands in front of a crowd at, at on a rooftop, very iconic right. relative to the famous the uh, Let It Be outdoor concert, which was their last uh, event together. And he sang Help, and he did it with a punk rock speed to it and was in agony over his relationships and what he thought was his ill-gained fame, right. that it was an absolute drift into his pain. And they showed only one song, and that was it, and then they broke to his his uh, room, his his uh, prep room, right. in, a, in a whole another scene with with his love interest, but that version of Help is one of the best, certainly, that I've ever heard. And huh. and when I clicked on it, he was looking for the entrance to the rooftop, and his agent took him out the wrong door, and then took him in the right door, and he did it. It was it was fabulous, and so it had me thinking about about Beatles tunes and you know the challenges we have now with. The negative world that we live in, the environment of not only the health crisis and the economic crisis, but this crisis of leadership and this uncertainty of future and an inability for young people to be able to understand who they are in relationship to other people, which defines them when you're in grade school and high school. It's who you are in relationship to everyone in your environment and how that's being replaced with remote 
in many cases, virtual games, which are now in use to a greater degree than anybody would ever have dreamed, much to the delight of the companies that sell them, and understandable from a parent's perspective, because at least it's interactive and manipulative in terms of a connection between mind and fingers, right? and being able to spend time doing something that will generate some positive kind of thoughtful, manipulative interaction. And at the end of the day, we'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. Yeah, but that's true of every generation. Every generation has a new bit of technology that makes that's that generation true. never that's like true. the previous one. Yes, but the degree of difference is different every era that you might compare. In some years, for example, during and after World War II, mm -hmm. everything would hence be defined as pre-World War II and post-World War II. Same with World War One, And now, the same as this pandemic. There aren't that many events in our history that do that as an absolute, inarguable Templar placeholder upon which all things are gauged. There's not that many. Before or after the bomb could be... Uh, a similar type of 9/11 uh, was a pretty big shift as well. Yes, that's that's the biggest one in my lifetime until 2020. And man, like if you had told us, you know, last year on episode five that 2020 was going to bring basically a 9/11 or World War II kind of shift to society, we would have just been like, what? What you talking about? But it, it it has it has happened, and I mean we are, thought back are, last year last year we would have said, yeah, well the election of Donald Trump was the biggest change in a long time of yes. of breaking yeah. the world, but yes. I think this is in the same way that in 2001 we thought George W. Bush sort of taking the election from Al Gore was a pretty despicable right. act, right. but then he it's, had his yes. 9/11. And, yes. this, and this is Donald Trump's 9-11. Right? Each, year, each year puts all prior years, perhaps right. in a different perspective. Because well, and who knew knows? Then, what you knew now, it wouldn't have seemed like such a big deal. The election of Trump wasn't such a big deal compared to what in the fuck it's turned out to be. And who knows? Never in, did we know. In episode 150, what we're going to look back at episode 73 and be like, there's mm, naive knuckleheads back in 2020. They thought they were having so it We back. have to open up. We have to open up. We have to find time within the negative day to feel hopeful for a minute, even though it's so much easier to be angry at what you're actually witnessing, seeing, and hearing. Yep. There are these commercials that you see in the U.S. that is breathe breathe deeply for the next 30 seconds, and it shows rainwater in a, in a forest, and the sound is just rain, and it counts down. That's a very smart thing. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or as, or as the Beatles said, "All you need is love. All you need is love." Um, ba -da -da -dum. All you need is love. 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 Love is all you need. Yeah, one of the features of the of the Apple Watch is that there's this app that will tell you a couple times a day to stop and breathe, which is ah. an interesting idea. Personally, I almost never do it. Sometimes I have. But so at my at my work, we have we have a new we have a wellness coach. We ah. have that every every Wednesday leads us on a 30 minute meditation over Zoom. So we're we're all remote. And this woman tells us to like lie down or get comfortable or whatever. And then she walks us through you know, this meditation practice. And cool. it is cool. Like how. How many companies are so I'm worried thoughtful. that you're I'm very, very thoughtful that, that you're like that? Oh, you're what do you mean you're taking 30 minutes off to go do something or why aren't you at your desk or but to actually or let's reduce and like it's good to reduce the number of meetings. So many companies have so many meetings that just tie up so many people for so many hours of the day. But let's stop the entire fucking company for 30 minutes and just be peaceful and mindful and focus on our goals for the day and then. And then go off and do your work. It's very, Great. very progressive, very thoughtful. Yeah. Thoughtful. Mindful. Gracious, committed, smart, educated, exactly. evidence-based, responsive. You're, you're good with that. Rewarding, it. efficient. It, we've only done one so far, and 
I felt fucking great. You're, yeah. Well, your production will increase. This this draws to a conclusion Seize because here's production. the deal, man. I got to piss so fucking bad. I'm like a fucking moose here. This happy hour without pissing for an hour is like more than an old man can take. You're moosing. Hey, moose. hey, does that make me a squirrel? Happy hour be. I see you're drinking little uh, shot glasses of uh, what do we have there? Iris whiskey, or are you are you sipping scotch? It's a uh, scotch. Ah, scotch. Hey, I have a new addition. You know, I've been showing you the bottle every week. That's a flask. My wife said, "My wife said so. Happy hour, huh?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "What are you drinking?" I said, "I'm having a beer." She said, "Huh? You gonna drink any scotch?" I said, "I don't know why." And she said, "Cause you have a bottle upstairs in your office." And I said, "No, I don't. I don't have a bottle of scotch in my office." There you go. I have a flask. Well, if you have to ask, make it a flask. But always wear your mask, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Take the flask, Jack. Don't you come back no more. Air your flask. That's what I say. Wear your mask and don't ask. In your mask, you. You should hide a flask. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. In your mask. Hey, hey. Here we go. It's a good task. Money maker. You have a mask and hook to a tube that goes to a belt, utility belt. Mm-hmm. And with a push of a button, you can suck through the mask, through the straw that's in your mouth, any liquor you want. Three or four choices. Are the you different buttons? The, the, there's the different buttons model, on them. And the deluxe model, which is a little bigger, a little bulkier, has an ice pack in it, so you can include a uh, cold beer through the mask. Everybody would be so much nicer, so much nicer. And they're not going to smell it on your breath, right? Because you got the no. mask on. It's and it's disinfectant, man. We're killing germs. Hey, hey, check out, check out on uh, Showtime. The latest two new episodes of the of the the, the, the circus, the greatest political sh- show on earth. Yeah, you mentioned this. The last two. It's a shame that. Have you that, seen any of them? It's a shame that that our our content subscriptions don't overlap. Like I talk about Netflix shows and you don't, and, and you and don't have Showtime, Apple shows, and I mean I can I can find Showtime shows, but I don't have a yeah. Showtime subscription. A guy who can't find can't get Netflix. Maybe I'll get it. I gotta go, man. It's not I that expensive. So bad, go. I can fucking taste it. It <laughs> tastes salty, yellow, and warm. Well, Are with that love? lovely image, we will bid adieu. All you need is love. Beep, beep. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. Okay, that does it for episode number seventy-three of Happy Hour with Dennis and Eric. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 073. And as always, we would love it if you could go over to patreon.com slash happyhour and give us a couple bucks. That'll help us keep making this show as great as we can. And stay safe out there, guys. See you next week.